Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Championship Week. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate. The best gift that you can get during this holiday season is for sure a fantasy championship. And when you get a fantasy championship, you need to style and profile on everyone's ass. And the best way to do that is PartyBelts.com, the official championship belt of the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. If you go to PartyBelts.com or if you go to Brodo Fantasy and click on the banner, you can go get a completely customized championship belt for you, the champion, or whoever won the championship in your league. The best part about it, it is dope, it is nice, and it is affordable. 100% customizable it has beer holders on the side one size fits all it is big it is flashy it is loud but it is not obnoxious uh kind of like the brodo fantasy football podcast um with the promo code brodo that's b-r-o-t-o again the promo code brodo that's b-r-o-t-o at checkout you can get 15 percent off the already inexpensive belt that's already about 10 percent of the price of some of these other crazy belts out there so go to partybelts.com use the promo code brodo with that being said it is championship week The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Speaking of party belts, we told you that party belts is the official... uh, Belt championship belt of the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast, and the reason why that is is because um, not only do we have a sponsorship deal with with them, but we we love the dudes that are over there. We have a group chat. We talk about fantasy every day. Um, Ryan Tannehill brought him to some good things, as we we're sure Ryan Tannehill has brought you some good things. And um, Michael, right now, uh, we've we've been mentioning that Michael has been having one of his best seasons and probably one of the best seasons of fantasy analysts out there in, in the world right now. Not to say me and Jason aren't having good seasons, but Michael's been phenomenal. Um, one of the phenomenal things he's doing is he is in the championship in not one, not two, but all three Brodo leagues that he plays in. Okay, of course, we have Brodo leagues that are just listeners, but in all the leagues that Michael plays in, he's in the championship right now, and all three of them have a, a, a title belt and all three of them might belong to Michael, and I don't want we, I don't want to spend the whatever amount of money to get Michael three belts. Fuck that. We're rooting against Michael. Michael, suck it. I'm gonna have one around my waist, one on my right shoulder, one on my left shoulder. Just gonna walk around with it all <laughs> yeah, week. Michael, you could really suck a fat one. There's no way I want you to have any of those belts. I want you to walk to the post office and send them to our patrons. That's what I want in my life. <laughs> you guys are mean, man. Of course, You're too mean to me. That's what I want for Christmas. Facts. Supposed to support me. I'm your brother. Nah. I, in fact, it, when you're delivering them, I want you to uh, take your iPhone and record the whole thing, and, and <laughs> so that everyone can watch it happen. Um, by the way, at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter, we're having a live stream. Our last live stream of the year. It's going to be on Sunday. There are some Saturday games that you need to be prepared for as well. There's a Friday game that you need to be prepared for as well. So that's four games before Sunday. So if you have any start sick questions, remember, at Brodo Fantasy, we are there all the time, 24-7. Um, particularly, Michael, again. Or, Jason, have you been the Twitter, the Twitter-er? I can't tell. You guys are twins. You guys talk alike on Twitter. 
Yeah, it's been both of us. Michael mostly in the beginning of the season, but I've been on it a lot now. Yeah, I figure. And every every once in a while, I stop on in and uh, share my thoughts on the the Twitter as well. And um, yeah, so if you want to hear if you want to hear all of our the Twitter, that's how our parents refer to it at least. So if you want to hear all of our um, all of our takes, uh, start sit decisions for the next three days. You know, Christmas Christmas is gonna be uh, a little tough. We'll be on our phone sometimes, but after Christmas, uh, it's going to be all football all the time, and go check us out. With that being said, it is championship week. Michael is playing for three Brodo championships. I'm playing for a championship myself. Jason said that he's not playing for a championship this week, but, you know, he's a special guest, so we'll we'll, we'll cut him some slack. Um, <laughs> hey, what are you going to do? Fuck off. <laughs> nah, I mean, some of the best fantasy analysts and fantasy players in the world are not playing for a championship. We always say this. Just because you didn't win the championship does not mean you, you, ha you did not have a good season. Only one person out of 12 can win a championship. And, you know, sometimes the cookie doesn't crumble. For example, two weeks ago, my best team scored 108. Last week, they scored 166. But it didn't matter because I was out of the playoffs and it didn't fucking matter. Um, also, I find the OD annoying when people are like, I won four championships this year and they had like 80 leagues. It's like, wow, congrats. You actually suck. It's just like the people in DFS who, who were like, look at how much money I won. And then they screenshot it and you see that they invested like $30,000 into DFS that day and they yeah, won, won 40000 It's like, all right, congrats. <laughs> you, you dropped $30,000 today. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so, congrats to you for winning forty thousand. You're just gonna bet that next week anyway. So who cares? Um, but anyway, um, let's stop complaining about other people and let's get to us. If you guys don't already know, Patreon.com is where you can support the show. There's gonna be an extra episode throughout the entire off season. Um, this format we do the double episode and then we do the Monday episode. So it's three episodes, technically two episodes, two days a week. We're gonna be cutting down to one day a week. Um, during the offseason, but we're still going to be coming at you every single week during the offseason talking fantasy football and preparing you for next year and talking some dynasty this year. We didn't, we haven't really talked dynasty, but that's something that we've all gotten involved in and all um, have experimented with over the last couple of years and we're comfortable enough to talk about it. Um, not as full experts, but to give advice um, about it and have full experts on the podcast to give you the real good good. So remember, during the offseason also is when we have all our guests and all that stuff. So stick around to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast, even in the offseason, BrotoFantasy.com and at BrotoFantasy on Twitter. Um, I mean, hey, in the Brodo Dynasty League, 16 teams, I'm in the championship game, and I even traded away Derrick Henry for the future, and I'm still in the championship game. So no, a man knows how to manage a team, if you know what I'm saying. Ironically, you're in the championship with the person you traded Derrick Henry to. Yep, not ideal, but what are you going to do? I, I'm not scared <laughs> of this guy's team. He's starting a few players who are not very good. I uh, I feel confident. Shout out to Alexander, who is uh, <laughs> who has been talking shit the whole time. Um, yes, nonstop. So. Nonstop, and especially since he acquired Derrick Henry. He loves to remind Michael uh, every time Derrick Henry has been If famous. I beat him, I'm going to send a Derrick <laughs> Henry gif in the Discord every day for like three months. <laughs> he can count on that. Uh, let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's uh let's get started. Michael has already talked about too. Is he's not the type to talk shit, but he's the type to let it happen and then afterwards <laughs> remind you all the time <laughs> that it happened. Um, all right. So let's get to this. Vikings at Saints is the first game on the Dakot. Um, 
I should be taking uh, timestamps on this, right? Uh, it's my job again. Oh, so whack. I'm taking timestamps. Uh, yeah. So let's go over to the Saints. Drew Brees was not Drew Brees, and I think it's it's obvious that he wasn't Drew Brees um, from the very beginning of the game. He can't be all the way Drew Brees right now. Now he's coming off that game on a short week. We saw Alvin Kamara get a little more involved. We saw Emmanuel Sanders get some looks. Jared Cook was involved. How are you looking at the Saints offense, and are you banking on a Drew Brees improvement, or do you think that this injury continues to hamper him the way that it hampered him uh, last week? I think there there was some rust off the just right off the jump with Drew Brees, and you kind of have to expect that. The dude has just missed a bunch of time breaking eight different ribs, and he's wearing like a crazy bodysuit underneath his jersey and pads. And he started 40, the game. And he's 41. Yeah, he didn't even complete a pass in the first quarter. But, I mean, he ended up with 15, recept, uh, 15 completions for a pretty high yards per completion. He ended with 234 yards, three passing touchdowns. He actually ended with 20 fantasy points, which is better than you would have expected after uh, if you watched the game. So still a decent fantasy day. It was also against the Kansas City Chiefs, who are a very good secondary, an underrated secondary that people just assume is worse than they actually are. Uh, they tend to lock down receivers. He also didn't have Michael Thomas. So it's not like he was working with his best weapons. He was coming off a big injury, and he still managed to put up 20 fantasy points. So I still think here against Minnesota, who has improved, they're still not the best secondary by any means at all. Uh, it's, I do think he's a QB1 streaming option. I have him at QB14. Jason, one thing we did see last week was the effect that missing Michael Thomas has, right? Michael Thomas is, despite his lack of fantasy production, one of the best receivers in the game, if not the best receiver in the game um, at this point. So Definitely not the best. I, I wouldn't say definitely not the best. The guy, Definitely not. I mean, the guy set the record for receptions last year. Doesn't make him the best wide receiver in the game. I think he's arguably one of the the best wide receiver in the game. I think who are you talking about otherwise? DeAndre Hopkins? Hopkins, Adams, Julio. I'll Adams? take AJ Brown over Julio Michael no. Thomas at this What? Point. What? You're crazy, bro. You'll take AJ Brown over Michael Thomas. Hundred percent. Like for week sixteen, sure. But in, in the future, nah. Um chill out with that. Uh but how do you how do you feel about these pass catching options? Because Michael talked about Drew Brees. He's obviously going to be throwing the ball to somebody. How do you feel about these pass catching options? Yeah, right now the question is who, who's the somebody, right? Um, right? We saw Will Jordan Humphrey get involved last week. Will we, uh, Jordan, shout out, one of the best names in the game. We saw Taysom Hill uh, stay decently involved. I think the only wide receiver you can consider for the Saints is Emmanuel Sanders. The last three weeks he's seen five or six targets, finishes the top 37 wide receiver two times that's kind of where he's at right now if you want to start sanders you're looking for a safe floor someone who's going to give you four catches for 70 yards something of that sort so he's definitely not an upside play uh but he's a little bit safer right now his ecr is at 28 that's too that's too steep for me i don't think he has the ceiling to warrant that high of a consideration and then if you're looking at the other side of the ball jared cook only saw five targets last week turned that into two for 29 uh, he has failed to be a tight end one when not scoring a touchdown this year. And in two of the games, two of the five games where he scored a touchdown, six games, sorry, he hasn't even been a tight end one. So, like, he's been that bad where it's like if he catches a touchdown, then he'll sneak into tight end one territory. 
If he doesn't, then of course he isn't a tight end one. So I would rather look elsewhere um, from Jared Cook, and Sanders is the only wide receiver I would consider. I think Alvin Kamara is the best play in this game by far. I think that's that's definitely obvious. But uh, yeah. before we talk about Kamara, it is worth it to note that Traquan Smith it did miss Sunday's practice. Um, I mean, Wednesday's practice. And I just want to note this. I, right now I'm on the uh, SB Nation uh, Saints site. And the headline says Saints versus Vikings Wednesday report Traquan Smith and Nick Eaton miss. Fantastic, right? And then they give the injury report. The picture attached is a bunch of cheerleaders in Santa suits with like their like straight shots of their asses. It's like, yo, what does this have to do with anything? Ooh, I want to see that. They've been hanging out with uh, Dwayne Haskins a little too much. Let's talk about that. Hey, uh, so obviously Alvin Kamara is a good play in this game. Michael, do you think? He didn't get a crazy amount of burn. Um, you expect to see eight targets out of Drew Brees, only four targets last week. So not what you expect, but as Drew Brees gets better, I expect Alvin Kamara to be more and more part of this passing game. Yeah, I get a Aaron Jones last week vibe from Alvin Kamara this week. Not quite the matchup that Minnesota is compared to last week, Aaron Jones against Carolina, who has been worse on the ground. Uh, but Minnesota still, it's not like they have a stout front seven or anything by any means. They're still very beatable. And Alvin Kamara has not had that really big blow-up game uh, since week seven. And at that point, he was one of those guys where he was just the RB1 every single week. You start him every week no matter what in that spot. And then you had the Taysom Hill games, which were just confusing to a lot of people. He gets Drew Brees back last week, 11 rushes, only three receptions, which is a season low uh, with Drew Brees on their center. I think that goes right back up. Uh, if Michael Thomas is on the IR now, so it's not like he's going to come back and steal targets. I get some uh, some big-time Aaron Jones last week vibes and that Alvin Kamara's due, and uh, he's in a matchup here where he could really make some noise. Sometimes Michael says, golly gee, folks, and sometimes he says, big-time Aaron Jones vibes. I can't, I can't understand you, Michael. Uh, Jason, what— Golly gee, Tim, stop being so mean. <laughs> J- does you should have said golly gee Tim why are you hating on on a on me son why are you hating on me um they got you gotta go you gotta go shut up you gotta go hardcore and then nerd that's what I'm trying to extrapolate here Michael that you're a hardcore nerd Tim wild dweeby <laughs> wild dweeby there you go um all right speaking of wild dweeby Jason had the first pick in uh in our Thursday showdown and he Friday. Did- now, Friday showdown. Well, yes, but it's the you know the title is Thursday showdown, so we're gonna keep doing that. Uh, again, Real quick though, if you want to listen to the final Friday slash Thursday showdown, patreoncom fantasy. it's mixed in with the waiver pod. We discuss things like which players to add to block your opponent as well. It was the most extensive waiver pod that we've had all year, I'd say. Without a doubt. Well, it's the most extensive week. Jason had the first pick, and he decided to go Alvin Kamara over over Dalvin Cook. Now I know that's not a, a you know a, a a diss I guess it is towards Dalvin Cook. It's more of a or it's more of a I think Kamara's gonna have a big game here. But it is to be said that the Saints are good against a running back. Um, they did get burned a little bit by Miles Sanders a couple weeks ago, but that was only on a one big run. But if there's one guy who make one big run, it's Dalvin Cook. How let's go over to the Viking side, Jason. How are you feeling about Dalvin Cook in this one? I mean, you always feel good about Dalvin Cook. Picking Alvin Kamara over Dalvin Cook is like picking gold over gold, right? Like, just it's a little shinier 
or you expect it to shine a little more. Dalvin Cook has just for over 100 yards every game except for three since week three. Like, he's basically guaranteed to go over 100 yards. That's against tough opponents, Tampa Bay, Chicago. Like, Tampa Bay's been locking down running backs like crazy, and he went over 100 yards against them. And he basically finds the end zone every game. He has 16 touchdowns in 15 games. So, of course, he's going to have a good game. You're excited to start Dalvin Cook. And I think that they're going to lean on him a little bit more heavily because if you look at what the Saints have done, it's true that the Saints are good against the running back. But also, the Saints have allowed one or fewer passing touchdowns in six of their last seven games. And there hasn't been a quarterback who's thrown for over 300 yards against them. So I think it's going to be a tough game for Kirk Cousins. And they're going to lean on Dalvin Cook a bit more. Um, let's talk about that, what you said, the tough game. Marcus Williams is uh, did not practice Wednesday, so uh, safety for the Saints, for whatever that's worth. Um, let's talk about those outside guys. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. They've been amazing. You've started them and loved it over and over again. But Thielen, two tough games in a row. Jefferson, although he had the yards last week, didn't have the touchdown, so his game was good, but it wasn't great. Um, how are you guys looking at uh, Jefferson and Thielen in this matchup against the Saints? I think Jefferson is kind of uh, slowly but surely taking over the alpha role in that offense. Kind of like how DK Metcalf just usurped Tyler Lockett uh, as the season has went on. I think that's kind of going on with sure. Jefferson and Thielen as well. Uh, I mean, the dude has seen 13 targets, 12 targets, 8 targets, 11 targets. That is some... A1 type uh, involvement in the offense compared to Thielen, who he missed a game week 12, but then 11 targets, which is big, and then four and three. Like he has five targets, I mean, excuse me, five receptions total over the last two weeks with only uh, 50 receiving yards and a touchdown. But let's not forget that he's mostly been getting buoyed by his touchdowns this season as well. Like he has a bunch of games under 50 yards, uh, 51 yards in one of the games. Otherwise, seven games this year where he's been 50 yards or under, including the 51-yard game. Uh, only 771 receiving yards on the season. He just also happens to have 13 touchdowns because he's their uh, red zone target. So against New Orleans, who it's it's not like their secondary is amazing. It's good, but this is a game that is likely to be high scoring. I think it has one of the higher um, Las Vegas uh, game lines at the moment. I still think I'm I'm still gonna play Adam Thielen as a wide receiver too, but Jeff if like if I have both, Jefferson is definitely the preferred option. And at this point, you don't even think about it. You just put Jefferson in your lineup because the dude's an absolute monster. Um the Saints have been better in the second half in, in terms of the secondary, but a lot of that has become come with pressure. And one thing that we don't talk about on this show is defensive players, but we gotta say, um Davenport, Marcus Davenport. They traded a future first-round pick to trade up in the draft to get Marcus Davenport, and he's been a bust. He's been an absolute bust. Uh, it'd be nice if Marcus Davenport got some work in. I was going to say, I'm a little confused why no one ever brings up Marcus Davenport. Everyone thought everyone thought the Saints were trading up to get Lamar Jackson on draft day. Yeah, That was the only thing that made sense. If you're going to trade a future first-round pick to move up to like 16th in the first round— it's clearly because you want like a franchise quarterback or something, but no, they took Marcus Davenport and I don't know. That was one of the more odd moves I've seen. And it doesn't really get that much publicity. If you're going to, I think it's because they're still good and they still have cam Jordan. You know what I mean? So they're, like they're, they're still getting yeah. pressure on the quarterback, but I want to make a note. Um, since it's early in the podcast, 
We have a um, new secret weapon for you that I'm going to tell you about now. True target values over just the past four weeks. Um, so you can see what these players have been doing over the last few weeks. If you want to ride a hot hand or fade a cold hand. And I think this gets at exactly what Michael was just talking about, with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Over the last four weeks, Justin Jefferson is sixth in true target value. So his targets have remained high. His value of targets have remained high. Whereas Adam Thielen is 31st over the last four weeks. So he's been more of a wide receiver three the last few weeks, and I think his numbers have shown that. And I think that that's also what Michael was trying to say his expectations are for this week. So check that out on brotofantasy.com. All right. Brotofantasy.com again. If you didn't hear that, Jason is Jason is, is on his shit. He doesn't have anything to do now that law school's over, and he's just been grinding Brodo, and I love it. Jason, I love you, Jason. <laughs> okay it's you're, good for you you're my youngest brother you Jason and I love you um let's talk about the tight end uh it doesn't look like Kyle Rudolph is on pace to play suck it Jason um Irv Smith Jack Coughlin are you taking the chance on either of these guys Irv Smith was the tight end in for the Vikings on every snap from 11 personnel that means one tight end last week and then split snaps with Conklin and 21 personnel and the Vikings, 50% of the time last week, uh, had 21 personnel out there. So both tight ends. And that's why you saw Tyler Conklin have a decent game as well. I think this game might be a little bit, um, just might be a little bit different because it's the Saints they're going up against. And the Saints are capable of putting up points, which means if they're coming out of 11 personnel more often, we're going to see a lot more Irv Smith. He's been decent the last few weeks. I know I like him a bit more than you and Michael do. Uh, I was a little weary with Rudolph out, but at the end of the day, Smith has only seen four targets the last two weeks. So he's a streaming option, but probably not your best streaming option. You know, I, I agree with you, Jay, but I'm actually, I've actually gotten a lot. Um, what is it? What is, what is the word when higher. you like someone more than you started higher? Huh? Higher. You've gotten a lot higher on him. Uh, sure. I was going to say, what's like, you know how you sour on someone? What's the opposite of that? You don't sweet on someone. You do. You sweet on someone. <laughs> All that's right. A, I'm sweeting a... <laughs> on Irv Smith then. Because uh, the dude, like you said, Jay, he was playing a lot of 11 personnel, 12 personnel mixing in, but he ended up being on the field for 82% of snaps. And the New Orleans Saints, they are beatable uh, through the air. Seven touchdowns to opposing tight ends, which is a nice number. It's not the highest in the league. The Jets are by far the worst team against the tight end, but the saints are a middle of the pack team. And they have been, um, they have been giving up some big games to tight ends. We just saw Travis Kelsey have a nice game against them, but of course a Travis Kelsey, uh, but like you said, in a possible shootout where they may need to come out of 11 personnel more often, I do think Irv Smith has some real, uh, streaming appeal here. And I think his expert consensus ranking of tight end 22 is just a little ridiculous. Yeah. It's a little too low. Uh, anyone else in this game you guys want to talk about? Uh, I don't think so. All right, let's get into the next one. The Buccaneers at the Lions. Interesting stat here because one person that I didn't think was going to do good last week that ended up doing great is Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones, he's been shady amazing uh, this whole time. According to J.J. Zacharyson, um, uh, uh, we're a fan of his on this podcast, since week 10, Kenny Galladay, uh, he shut it down that week. Marvin Jones has been the PPR wide receiver 12 since then. On top of that, the Bucs have allowed six QB1 performances in the last seven weeks. 
So the Matt Stafford to Marvin Jones connection is probably one that you'd usually want to take a chance on. But this is championship week. And how are you guys feeling about this matchup and this situation? I think you need to take the chance on Marvin Jones. Like, there's just no more denying what he can do, man. The last two weeks, he's been a wide receiver. The wide receiver five overall or better, two out of the last three weeks. His target share... Since week 10, 10, 6, 12, 12, 8, 12. Like, he's seeing a shitload of targets, more than anyone on earth can handle. And because of this, he's seventh in true target value. So at the end of the day, according to true target value, he's actually been underperforming by being PPR wide receiver 12 just by a smidget. Wow. Over the last four weeks, by the way. Exactly. Like, that's where his expectations are at the moment. So I think if you have Marvin Jones, you kind of have to start him unless you have, like, amazing options on on the outside is uh, not on the outside. Your team is an actual football team, but you know what I mean? Like, unless you have all amazing options outside of Marvin Jones, this is a, a little, a little short story about how fantasy football can crush your heart. I traded Marvin Jones around week four in a package to get Michael Thomas preparing for the playoffs. Um, fast forward, my team dives off a cliff, uh, doesn't make the playoffs in that league. And the person with Marvin Jones is now in the championship. So, um, what looked like a genius move that all the people in the league got mad at me for making um, actually ended up helping the other person, fantasy football. Um, Michael, how are you feeling about Matt Stafford in this game? Is that someone you're thinking about streaming? Uh, Matt Stafford, I do think he's like a decent streaming option this week, but there's no way I'm trusting him. Even if he ends up putting up like 28 fantasy points, I'm just going to be like, whatever. Because, again, he's not practicing. And... It's like they're like, we're just going to let him rest. And then, you know, it'll be a game time decision again. One hard hit because it's his ribs. One hard hit to start the game. And Tampa Bay has some guys who could get to the quarterback. And we got Chase Daniel the rest of the game. So I'm just there's there's a 0% chance I start Matt Stafford this week, even in a matchup that's been increasingly better each week against the Tampa Bay secondary that just continues to get worse. I just, uh, there's no way you could trust him. Yeah, the Lions have allowed six QB1 performances in the last seven weeks, like I mentioned. The only QB1 performance they didn't give up it was to Kirk Cousins in that completely anomaly game. And that's because it was a Dalvin Cook game. And because, and, and he still finished with 17 fantasy points. So even the, the one performance that wasn't great was still good. So I don't know. If you're, if you're looking for a floor play at quarterback, I think you could do worse than Matt Stafford. Um, the Lions have passed on three-fourths of the time since Daryl Bevel took over. Um, but last week they did get back to kind of a more balanced attack, 58% passes. Um, but DeAndre Swift, even in a blowout loss, 19 touches, it looks like DeAndre Swift is back and ready for action. Um, how comfortable are you playing uh, DeAndre Smith against this Bucks defense who's been really good against the run? DeAndre Smith. DeAndre Robert Swift, or, excuse me. Before, before Jason talks, uh, Darren Bevel is actually going to miss the game due to COVID-19 protocols. Oh, so, yeah, no Bevel or four other offensive assistants. So let's see how that goes for them. But, yeah, go ahead, but Jay. The new guy might want to lean on DeAndre Swift like they've been doing. He's seen 16, 21, 11, and 19 touches in the last four games. The best part, on Johnson didn't even see a carry or a target last week. So it's becoming a two-person backfield, which is like, the best possible scenario in today's NFL because there's rarely any workhorses. Especially um, if that number two guy is Adrian Peterson. 
Because Adrian Peterson yeah. is very limited at this point. They were talking about on the broadcast last week about how Adrian Peterson, surprisingly, like you look at him and you're like, yeah, he's a in between the tackles runner. When he bounces it outside, like more than most running backs in the NFL, the only problem is he's slow. So he gets three yards on the bounces outside, and it seems <laughs> like he's he's running up the middle. So uh, just a, a little tidbit on how um, Adrian Peterson's career has kind of, um, you know, slowed down as he gotten older, like everybody does. Yeah, there you go. And also on that note, the Bucks are one of the best teams on the ground, which might hurt Swift on the ground, which will hurt AP on the ground. But they're allowing the most receptions to the running back. And DeAndre Swift has shown that he can catch the ball very well and make plays out of the backfield. So I'm starting Swift even in this tough matchup because I think that he just he's going to get a lot of work, most of it, a decent amount through the air, which is always good for a running back. We talked about this. Um, we, we talk about every week. We talk about all the fantasy viable players. Um, we're not going to talk about players that aren't fantasy viable, though. So I don't think there's any need to bring up any more Lions wide receivers, personally. But TJ Hawkinson is still in the mix. He had a really bad game last week, but he was targeted targeted in the red zone. How are you guys feeling about TJ Hawkinson? Uh, real quick, I just want to say about DeAndre Swift. Third in points per opportunity, fifth in points per opportunity, minus touchdown. So... Super efficient. Uh, when it comes that's to a, TJ that's Hawkinson, a, that's an exclusive stat on Broto Fantasy by Santiago Casanova, uh, our absolutely. our writer. So check that out on BrotoFantasy.com as well. Very smart man. Um, TJ Hawkinson, though, geez, like the thing about TJ Hawkinson has been he's not going to win you your week, but he's also not going to lose your lose you your week. And then this dude goes ahead and puts up an absolute stinker: two catches, eighteen yards last week in a. Good matchup against Tennessee. Literally lost me my week because I sat, because I played him over Noah Fant last week. Literally lost yeah. me the championship game. And it's his only, it's, it's only a second big stinker of the of the year. But going into the game against Tampa Bay now this week, you likely are going to start T.J. Hawkinson because like he's been very consistent this year, and the tight end landscape is kind of a joke at this point. But man, he's shown absolutely no ceiling this year. Like he's capping out at fourteen fantasy points. So he's going to get you like eight, nine, ten fantasy points probably. It's like, it's, it's, I'd be frustrated if I was a Hawkinson manager because it's like, obviously, you're going to put him in there, but I don't know. It just seems like so many other people. Like, I'd, I'd rather have Austin Hooper than TJ Hawkinson this week. I'd rather take the upside shot against the Jets who get absolutely dominated by tight ends rather than trusting TJ Hawkinson's safe floor because it's a tight end position. So if you're going up against a Kelsey or Waller already, you might as well take an upside shot. I mean, I have Hawkinson as my tight end nine. He's probably going to end somewhere between tight end nine to 12. But it's just the the upside is all season. We've been waiting for a blow-up game. It just has not happened. So I highly doubt it happens this week. The most receiving yards he has in a game is 89 this season and 84. And those were in the games where he saw eight and nine targets. Last week, he only saw four. If you look at what he's done this season, there's a lot of games where it's four targets, five targets. And that's why his ceiling is capped. So I see where Michael's coming from, but to start Austin Hooper over him is a little bit too crazy for my taste. Let's go over to the Bucks side, talk about another tight end, um, Rob Gronkowski. He's one of the pass-catching options that have either been good for you or let you down because it is a complete crapshoot on which one is going to get the, the targets. Chris Godwin... I think it's time that we can call him a bust. Um, he's been healthy for most of the season, and he has not put up a wide receiver one performance. Um, 
Mike Evans is up or down. He's touchdown dependent. Same with Gronk, up or down, touchdown dependent. Antonio Brown uh, broke out for the first time last week. Looked like he was involved. He got a, he's caught a long touchdown. And Tom Brady's the guy throwing to all these guys. So how are you feeling about this Buccaneers passing offense? Uh, the true target value over the past four weeks is Mike Evans at 18, um, Godwin at 28, Antonio Brown at 36. That's basically where I'm viewing them this week as well. I'm higher on Mike Evans, actually, because I do think this is a good matchup for Evans to find the end zone. And what are the odds? The guy that everyone expected to be the up-and-down performer who you don't know if you could trust him with Brady. He doesn't throw to the outside, blah, blah, blah. Mike Evans has been by far the best of the receivers. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's how it goes sometimes. Bro, I, got him in the Mike f- Evans- I got him in the fifth round of the Scott Fishbowl, bro. That's crazy. That is that is pretty nuts. Jeez Louise. But yeah, and he's just been, especially lately, he's been very consistent too. Like he hasn't really had those really bad games uh, since week seven was his last like really bad game. So he's also very consistent now. He gets a great matchup against Detroit on the outside. I have him as my wide receiver 11. I think there's big potential here because uh, Tom Brady finally looked like he was coming back to life a little bit in the second half last week, actually completing passes down the field. Shout out Tom Brady, not looking like he's 55, looking like he's uh, maybe 37. But um, it's just one guy that I was very confused about was Rob Gronkowski because you see the seven targets and you're like, oh, yeah, but then you see only three for 29. And every other game where he's seen at least seven targets this year, he's had at least eight fantasy points. Um, it's been five games of that sort. And uh, all the other games, he's put up 14, 16, 15, 8, and then he puts up a three for 29 line against the Atlanta Falcons who really suck against tight ends. If you have Gronk, you're likely trusting him because he is involved in that offense and he's getting red zone looks. Um, But last week was certainly a letdown similar to TJ Hawkinson. But yeah, you got to start Gronk if you have him most likely similar to TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Jason, I don't want to skip over your thoughts on these on the entire passing game. So why don't you give us your thoughts as well? Jason's on mute and he Sorry. doesn't know. No, I, <laughs> you know what it is? My my mute thing is on the bottom and these Stan Macs, like the desktop thing will pop up. You know what I'm talking about? Like to click on Safari and Finder and stuff instead of the mute. Anyway, I mean, I was just going to uh, echo what Michael said. Um, I think exactly where the true values of the last four weeks have them is what you could expect of them this week. Mike Evans is the safest of the bunch. What I What I find intriguing about this game is the running back, to be honest, because Detroit has been very bad. And Leonard Fournette only gained 49 yards on 14 carries last week, three catches for 16 yards, but he found two touchdowns. He he ran in two touchdowns, both at the one-yard line. And that affects the wide receivers, Gronk, Evans as well, because those guys have been kind of touchdown dependent, especially Gronk. So if we're considering a team that's very bad against the running back, a running back who needs to score touchdowns to do well, and then a tight end and a few wide receivers who need to score touchdowns to do well. There's going to be some stinkers involved. I think Fournette might be a little bit too liked at the moment, but Detroit is such a cozy matchup. It's kind of hard to fade him. Like I, he's at 16 in expert consensus. I moved him back to 19, so I'm not that much off of consensus. I just, you know, a guy who 49 yards, 14 carries, like it's nothing to write home about, but he had two touchdowns. And if he finds the end zone twice again this week, Probably a bad game for Gronk. And Godwin, Brown, and Evans are probably going to disappoint a little bit too. Classic uh, classic Leonard Fournette line right there. 14 for 49. 
Um. Oh yeah, yeah it, it is. But I mean, you guys are telling me this and that, and this and that. But I think Leonard Fournette's a good play this week. How do you feel about the play of Leonard Fournette? Not just how he's going to affect the other guys. No, yeah, certainly a playable RB two. Um, I got him a RB twenty one. I think the expert consensus of RB sixteen ranking him as like a high to mid RB two is a little rich for my taste because if he doesn't find the end zone, then you're going to be let down. Period. He has two games this year, uh, three games this year where he's found the end zone. Two of them, he scored double digits. One of them, only nine points. Every other game where he didn't find the end zone, he didn't score double digit points. He has one game actually against Las Vegas back in week seven in a great matchup where he uh, also caught six passes, which is also a season high. I know Ronald Jones is expected to be out and LaShawn McCoy and Kayshawn Vaughn mixed in a little bit, but it's mainly Fournette's backfield. But I just, I think more of a low end RB two because he's been super efficient yet again, and he's going to be a touchdown dependent option. Um, Tom Brady's a good play. I don't think we talked about Tom Brady himself. I think he's a great play at quarterback. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? I'm definitely not starting Tom Brady. Uh, he's been way too up and down, and he's highly dependent on passing touchdowns since he has no rushing ability bro, at all. Bro, you're not playing Tom Brady against the Lions. I, I'm, no. I, I kind of agree with Michael. I know what? that there's people all over him. Like I know Andy Holloway from the Fantasy Footballers said he's going to start him over Josh Allen. And all the power to those guys, they, they know their shit. I'm with Michael. I'm a little bit more weary, man. And look, I, Brady completed 31 passes against the Falcons and finished as QB 11. Like, and I was being, I was being a bit hyperbolic when I say I'm not going to start him. I have him at QB 12. Me too. So I just, I'm not going to rank him like inside my top five, seven quarterbacks. He's, he's very touchdown dependent as a quarterback because he has no rushing ability at all. I mean, his. He's, he has negative rushing yards, I think. Three rushing yards on the season because he ends up getting negative rushing yards over the last three games. So it's like he needs to throw touchdown passes against Detroit, who's beatable on the ground. Maybe, like Jason said, maybe Fournette punches in a couple touchdowns to a sour Tom Brady managers. I'd, I'd look for a higher upside play. But, I mean, Brady, if you have to play him at low in QB1, there's no denying that he has some upside. It's just he's going to need to throw three or four touchdown passes. All right, so let's move on to the next game here. Um, the 49ers at the Cardinals. 49ers at the Cardinals. Kyler Murray, baby. He's back. I love it. Runs. Passes. superstar You know what that means? Kenyon Drake, you know that gif of Lion King's like, get the fuck out when it punts someone off of the, the little cliff he thing? That punt. He throws yeah. him. Throws him oh. over well, like Kenyon Drake like is that little bit Simba, and he's getting tossed. Get the fuck yeah, out of here. Why are you acting like you know Drake? nothing about Lion King? The, the, the thing gets punted. What? Yo, relax. It's a random gif I see online. I don't know it's... every fucking scene from Lion King. It was a good <laughs> analogy. Kenyon Drake is Simba. He was a king, and now he's getting thrown off this cliff. Because Kyler Murray is back. Fucking Scar is taking over again as a goal line back. Chase Edmonds is whatever another person's name. Tamon catching passes. The fuck? And Kenyon Drake just is useless when both of them are doing those two things. Jason, you, Pumba. Jason, you started hot. And then you went off the cliff. Kind of like... Well, kinda like I wasn't expecting the hostility, all right? Kenyon Drake. <laughs> no, no one was hostile, Jason. You, you, uh, you've been uh, very on edge lately. I don't know. We got to get also, you some like drinks or something. Some eggnog. I'm not I used was, to being free. I'm I was a little hostile. <laughs> um, I, was, I was slightly hostile. All right. So, I, I, honestly, Kyler Murray's a great play. 
Um, if you have Edmonds out snap Drake as well, just want to throw that in there, which is certainly concerning. That's definitely concerning. I, I think it's it's also game script though. Last week was a, definitely a run heavy game script. You don't expect it to be like that. Um, I mean, that's your favorite Drake. I, that should favor Drake if it's a run heavy game script. I didn't say. Did I say run heavy? I didn't say run heavy game script. The game script That's was they were they were they were punching back and forth. Do you know what All I right, mean? You said run heavy. I don't know why you said run heavy, but that's what you said. I so don't think I off. said run heavy. We're gonna one thousand percent did. We're gonna have to go back, Michael. Not for nothing. In track record in this show, <laughs> when you tell me I say things and then I I don't say them. In Here real life, if, your memory is much better than mine. That happened like life. one time. In one time, and now you're saying it happens all the time. Yes, but you see, I'm done with you. That I remembered it. That's the most important part. Um, yeah, Kyler Murray's back. Start DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, Jeez and Louise. I think as, as of this point, if you're in the championship, you're not starting Christian Kirk. Hell no. You're not yeah, starting right. any of these other wide receivers. Dan Arnold is a long shot at best. Um, so really, in this game, it on the Cardinal side, it's. DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, and can you start Chase Edmonds? Because you just said you don't want to start Drake. I think if you have to start Drake as a flex play, then you you know go for it. I think it's not the worst thing in the world, and I feel the same way about Chase Edmonds. I, I feel like Chase Edmonds is not the worst play in the world if you're desperate, but like again, and no offense if this is you, but we're probably not talking to championship contenders if we're talking about you're going to start Drake or Chase Edmonds. I mean, well, Drake prior to this week has been very consistent. So that's not, true. That's true. Gonna, me, yeah. I take that back. I do prefer Drake because he's been very consistent. And last time Edmonds had a bigger game and everyone was like, it's Edmonds backfield now, bro. The next game was not like that at all. And it was Kenyon Drake's backfield. So I do prefer Drake still as a low end RB2 flex play. And then Edmonds is a flex play, but he's more of a desperation play in my opinion. Um, Let's go over to the 49er side. Uh, Jeff Wilson looks like the starting running back. Uh, looks like Raheem Mostert's not gonna is gonna miss, which makes him a very juicy option in a pretty good matchup. How are you guys feeling about Jeff Wilson? Uh, give me the Jeff. My name's Jeff, the Esquire. Shout out Big Will for that nickname. Um, look, Wilson when Mostert left the game took over the early down work, played seventy three percent of the snaps. McKinnon and Coleman split the uh, third down snaps. Uh, sorry, McKinnon and Coleman split the 27% of early down snaps that Wilson wasn't in on, and then McKinnon played most of the third downs. And if we're talking about running back in the 49ers offense, you want the guy that's going to play 73% of the first and second down snaps because they're basically guaranteed to find the end zone. Even last week with Mostert playing most of the game, Jeff Wilson found the end zone. He's a touchdown magnet. His cleats have magnets inside of them that propel him to the end zone. If you didn't know that it's a new creation, it's very interesting. So you want to start Jeff Wilson, especially with Mostert out, because I can almost guarantee that he's going to find the end zone. And just by finding the end zone, he's going to be a RB two and he has upside for more right now. I have him at running back 13. I have him at 14. So similar sentiment. Um, what about the <clears throat> wide receiver options for the 49ers? Brandon Ayuk has been great. And I think you can't sit Brandon Ayuk right now. Um, there's no way he's just too involved in the offense. There's only one way I'd be nervous. And that's if George Kittle comes back, there's been there's, no... good. There's 0% nervousness of me trusting Brandon. Ayuk. the dude has been even wide if, receiver eight, even if 16, Kittle, 12, 12, nine, even if Kittle comes back, 
Absolutely not. I'm 1,000% okay. starting Brandon Ayuk. All right. All right. The dude has seen 10, 14, 9, 16, and 13 targets. It's been absolutely ridiculous what he's doing. He's seen, uh, he's the number eight wide receiver in true target value over the past four weeks, despite the fact that he has absolutely atrocious quarterback play. Um, where is he? Uh, 49ers quarterback. Where is he? On Nick Mullins, 24th in true throw value. But Ayuk is seeing so much volume. He's still wide receiver seven in. Uh, true target value over the past four weeks. I'm 1,000% firing him up as a wide receiver one again. I mean, yeah. against Dallas last week, he started the game off terribly. He still ends nine for 73 in a touchdown. The dude has been an absolute monster and has a ridiculously high floor. It's not like Patrick Peterson is a shutdown cornerback anymore by any means, uh, but he's the only wide receiver you could trust, period. I, I think, Jason, I think one of the things that Michael said that I worry about is, you know, nine catches, and that's something that's been – consistent over the past few weeks is the nine catches, the over 10 targets a game, constantly, constantly, constantly. And on all the games that you've been talking about, almost double-digit catches, if not double-digit catches, double-digit targets in every single one. If George Kittle comes back, there's a, a there's a probability that that doesn't happen, maybe. No? Is, uh, a, is, is that not, not a probability? Me. Not for me. Uh, uh, I think, uh, who's Bethard going to throw to? It'll be Kittle and Ayuk. Right, because Bethard, that's another thing we haven't we haven't talked about. Bethard is going to be in. He's a backup, backup quarterback. He'll probably be looking for his his tight end. But, you know, Brandon Ayuk is kind of quarterback-proof because of the way he gets his targets. Um, yeah, uh, it's a Shanahan offense. Right, exactly. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Not for nothing, the last time Ayuk played with Kittle, uh, 8 for 91 on 10 targets, so and a touchdown. But I also want to say, if George Kittle plays, you play George Kittle. And yeah. I agree, and one other note. Uh, Richie James and Kendrick Bourne kind of offer some flex upside if you're in a deep league and you need something. Oh, Jason feeling local crazy. I was going to say, yo, like, yo, man, you, man. Richie James took over Debo Samuel's snaps. Um, so he was out there every time there were two wide receivers out there. And Kendrick Bourne is always, always has that chance of catching a big pass. So, or Hail Mary at the end of the game. I, I prefer Richie James of the bunch, but if you're feeling frisky, those are two options. All right. Uh, Jordan Reed also. Um, playable if Kittle doesn't play, but don't play him if Kittle plays, obviously. Let's go over to the Dolphins at the Raiders. Marcus Mariota is going to be the quarterback for the Raiders. False. Derek Carr practiced in full, Tim. Oh, shit. I must have missed that. Derek Carr practiced yeah, very, in full. Pretty upsetting. I wanted to see a Marcus Mariota-like offense one more time. Oh, shit. Well, my notes for the Raiders are incomplete, and I need to fix those. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the running game, and then we'll talk about the passing game since I'm uh, since I'm being informed of this now. Um, Josh Jacobs has been wildly inefficient this week, this year. Wildly. I'm talking about under four yards per carry. Uh, Wild. Needs a TD to be relevant. In fact, he has one game all year over 12 half PPR points where he did not score a touchdown. So he is touchdown dependent. Um, the Dolphins are a team you can run against. They are not the the. They're more turnover. They're like a fantasy defense rather than a real defense. They allow yards, but they get turnovers, so they're good for fantasy. Um, how are we feeling about Josh Jacobs in this game? Uh, I mean, if you have Josh Jacobs and you made it this far, you're likely starting Josh Jacobs. He got a bunch of work last week. It was against a beatable Chargers. Uh, front seven, which we discussed on last week's pod, saying it was a good time for him to have a bounce back sort of game. He did. Um, he scored the couple. He scored the touchdown. Now he gets the Miami front seven, which 
they're allowing 92 rushing yards per game, uh, which isn't a ridiculous amount, but it's also not a small amount of rushing yards. And they do give up a lot of pass catching work, which does not um, favor Josh Jacobs because he's not super involved in the passing game. So as always, I think Josh Jacobs is just going to boil down to, will he score a touchdown? And if he does, you're going to be happy you started him. If he doesn't, you might be a little less happy about that. I have him at RB 15 at the moment. I don't see how you could like happily rank Josh Jacobs within your top 12 running backs at this time. I mean, 26 carries last week, 76 yards against the Chargers. Very beatable uh, front seven. Two games all year, over 100 rushing yards. And that's that's really where he needs to make the money for you. So it's just at this point, Josh Jacobs is who he is. Jason, what about this passing game now that Derek Carr is playing? I, I was really high on Darren Waller or Marcus Mariota. I'm still high on Darren Waller. I'm not, you know, he drops down from possibly tight end one to tight end maybe three or two. You know, it's not it's not a big deal. But I do think his ceiling is a little capped with Carr instead of Marcus Mariota. Um, and then you have Nelson Aguilar, who's been playable. You're not playing anyone else, although Henry Ruggs has a chance to play in this game. How are you feeling about... Um, First of all, Waller, I think you start him. Obviously, he's a tight end. How do you feeling about yeah. Nelson Aguilar? You're starting Waller. I love that Carr is playing for Nelson Aguilar's sake. Um, yeah. Right? When you you can tell the difference of quarterback, not that Carr is better than Mariota. They're just both equally scrubby. One guy throws to the wide receiver a little bit more. One guy throws to the tight end a little bit more. The wide receiver guy being Derek Carr. You saw Nelson Aguilar just become a worse option when Mariota checked in last week. Yeah, he but started the game target- strong, too. Yeah, and in true target value over the last four weeks, Nelson Aguilar's wide receiver 22. In PPR, that's a projection of 13 points. I don't think that's out of the equation. We've seen him be doing it, and he's also always has big play potential. So with Derek Carr in, I very much like Nelson Aguilar's wide receiver three option this week. Um, Michael, you agree with that? Yeah, um, I like Aguilar. I like, the, I like Waller. Nelson's secondary isn't beatable either. Like They have a lot of turnovers. Xavier Howard picks off a ball every game. That's fine, but it doesn't mean that they can't also give up a big play. Right. And are... he's also going up against Byron Jones, who who is more beatable. Well, he should be going up against Byron Jones more often than not, uh, who is who has been more beatable than Xavier Howard, who we've been calling Xavier Howard a beast for years. So shout out Xavier Howard, who legit has defensive player of the year. Uh yeah, he's possibility up. this year. He's definitely up there. Um definitely this this uh this defense likes to take their chances. It gets them a lot of turnovers, but also you get you get a lot of big plays out of them. Start their defense. I just want to say that too, because yeah. I don't care if Las Vegas is they don't turn the ball over a lot, blah blah blah. Miami's defense has been ridiculously good at forcing turnovers this year. Just start their damn defense. Yeah, I, I definitely want to play uh a team like Miami against an undisciplined Raiders squad. Let's go over to the other side. The Dolphins. Look, I can't imagine myself starting Tua in a championship game at all. Last week he had two uh rushing touchdowns and still failed to crack QB one. Um I don't know what you need to see besides had two rushing touchdowns and still failed to crack QB one in order to convince you not to play Tua. Um, but here we are. Um, and I'm not playing any of his weapons either outside of Mike Kosicki. If Kosicki plays and Kosicki has been practicing. Yeah. Yeah, The only time Tua, sorry, Jay, but the only time Tua has ended inside the top 15 running backs was against KC where quarterback was against KC where he was absolute trash for two and a half quarters, and then it was comeback mode down like three touchdowns, and he was able to pile on some garbage time points. So, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. He's super, super untrustworthy. 
And on the note of Gasicki not playing, I know a few people liked Adam Shaheen last week. He caught one pass for 15 yards. It was Durham Smythe who led the tight ends in receiving with 40 yards. So I'd rather stay away from any tight end on the Dolphins if the name is not Kasicki. Facts, 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 and facts, facts. Um, and if Devontae Parker plays, as we've mentioned numerous times with two at quarterback and not fits, Devontae Parker is not the same guy. He's a flex play at best, and just leave it at that. If you want to play Parker, you likely have better options. If you don't play him, but the, the upside is certainly capped. It is a good matchup, which makes him more viable to find the end zone, which was the only the only time really where he's been viable with Tua was when he found the end zone. Um, so it, that does help him a little bit. Otherwise, it's like, ugh, good luck. There's a receiver I do like in this game, but you're going to play him at running back if you play him, and that's Lynn Bowden. I think that Lynn Bowden look, led the team in snaps from the slot last week, 18 snaps from the slot. Uh, led, this, led the team in targets out of the slot last week, obviously, if you led the team in snaps. Um, he's been involved, and not for nothing, he's playing against a team that gave up on him really, really early. And if you look at Lynn Bowden as the person, he's a scary looking dude. Like he looks like he's got tattoos <laughs> on his neck. Like he looks like he's going to rip your face off. So that type of guy, I, I'm guessing he has a little bit of a mean streak in him and he's not going to take kindly to the Raiders. Salvin Ahmed is another guy who, Ahmed, excuse me, is another guy who I like in this game. Twins convinced me. So I'm going to let them convince you um, if Miles Gaskin doesn't play. If Miles yeah, Gaskin tough, does man. play. I like it. So there's two running backs you're going to play in this game, although one of them is really a, a, a slot receiver. Uh, Jason, since you started, how are you feeling about uh, Lynn Bowden and the running back situation? I'm going to talk about the running backs because it's really fucking difficult to decipher, man. Miles Gaskin and Salvan Ahmed have not played in the same game yet this season, and those are the two guys who have been the workhorses when healthy. We know Brian Flores is going to play a workhorse running back, we just don't know which one it is. It's probably Gaskin, if I had to bet. He's, he started the season as the workhorse. He's been the workhorse when healthy. But Ahmed has just been very good when given the chance, including last week. So I have them right now running back 29 and 30 because that's where I feel like I'll take the shot on them. Maybe move them up a little bit higher but because one of them is going to finish as a top 20 running back against the Raiders. It's just going to happen. The difficult option is knowing which one because if you start the wrong one, you're not going to get any points. Because Brian Flores is a workhorse running back type of guy. So I'd rather take my chances with Gaskin, but I wish it was easier to know. I'm on the Gaskin train as well. He's been the workhorse when when healthy. I don't think that changes. The last four times he's been healthy, he's touched the ball at least 20 times. So, And on Bowden's behalf, Tim, since you brought him up as well, 90% of snaps last week. So the dude is on the field basically all day, every day. We got to keep an eye on injuries again in Miami. Jakeem Grant was out. Parker was out. Kasicki was out. But he certainly has some potential. He's going to be less appealing if all those guys return. So, again, keep track with us, BrotoFantasy.com, um, our rankings, and on Twitter at BrotoFantasy, because his his stock is going to change between now and uh, the start of the Miami matchup this week. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this matchup before we get into the Giants at the Ravens? I'm no, just no, itching no, to no. talk about the Ravens, man. I'm itching. Really? Okay, Ooh. let's start. Jason, start talking about the Ravens. I just want to talk about Lamar Jackson and the fact that name one other podcast that has told you that when Lamar Jackson throws less, it benefits his receivers and tight ends because it doesn't make sense unless you look at true values. Then it makes sense because Marquise Brown has been a bum all year because Lamar Jackson was in the bottom half of the league in true throw value 
But guess what? Over the last four weeks, while Lamar Jackson has been running more and throwing less, he is now the number one quarterback in truth or value. He's going back to 2019 version of Lamar Jackson, which means that the targets to Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, they're literally right now worth three times more close to they were than they were earlier in the season. And so that is why we're seeing Marquise Brown and as a wide receiver two every week. That's why we're seeing Mark Andrews be the same Mark Andrews we expected every week. Right over the last four weeks, Marquise Brown is the sixth wide receiver in true target value because he's seeing targets and they're actually valuable now. Eight, eight, six, and seven. And he's the those are his targets over the last four weeks. And he's fifth, sorry, not fourth, in true target value. That's a projection of 20 points in PPR. So if anything, he's been underperforming by putting up 12 a week. So Marquise Brown is a good play now because Lamar Jackson is throwing less. And the same thing with Mark Andrews. Over the past four weeks, he's the third tight end in true target value, and that's just because Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller are unbelievable beasts who see a shitload of targets. So I'm I'm firing up for the first time in my life Marquise Brown happily as a wide receiver 2-3. Uh, Lamar Jackson is the running back one overall against the Giants. I don't I don't care if the Giants defense has been a little bit better. Quarterback? Quarterback, yes. And Mark Andrews is a great play as well. I mean, I got, I got him at QB4. Uh, Mahomes, Murray, and Rodgers I have ahead of uh, Lamar Jackson. But, yeah, like everything you said, Lamar Jackson's been a beast, which has been good. You cannot start anyone outside of uh, Jackson, Andrews, and Brown, though, when it comes to the passing game. Um, I mean, is, is there any – there's no one real else to talk about on the Ravens. Um, the running back, J.K. Dobbins, hello. I'm talking about the pass catchers, my guy. God, let True. me finish my sentence before you pop on Gee. here. On the Ravens' pass-catching options, let's talk about the Ravens' running backs. J.K. Dobbins has been good, but not great the past three weeks. Um, Gus Edwards has been serviceable, kind of, if you are in the need of a running back. I think we're at the point now where if you're playing Gus Edwards, your team is a Cinderella story, and uh, you're going to have to find a glass slipper to win. Um, so J.K. Dobbins, on the other hand, is could be a player on some winning teams. How are you feeling about J.K. Dobbins? Yeah, Dobbins has been balling out uh, quietly. 18 fantasy points, 13, 13, 15, top 18 running back each of the last four weeks as his role has increased, averaging over five yards per carry on the season. The downside of Dobbins is that over the last four weeks, he only has three receptions. You'd think he'd have a bigger role in the pass catching game, uh, being that he was a very effective pass catcher in Ohio State. But you typically with running quarterbacks, uh, Running backs are not super involved in the passing game anyways. Here against the Giants, Dobbins has also found the end zone four straight weeks. I think his uh, his stock just continues to rise. And against the Giants here, I think he'll get a lot of work again. Um, and I'm certainly firing him up as a high upside play. Ah, I, I, I disagree with you sometimes. I'm not saying that... Um, I'm not saying that... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's a bad play. But what I'm saying is that you're talking about a guy who has been getting more work, has scored a touchdown in his last four games, and has not finished uh, as an RB1 in those games. And he has in one of them. Are you sure? He finished as an RB1 one time, yeah. As the, the RB1? Giants... No, not the RB1. RB1. Okay, yeah, fine. What are, you, what are you talking about? Running back one overall. That's that's the bar you're setting? No, no. That's, you said the RB1. I was surprised. Guys, the Giants? Are averaging 25 PPR points to running backs allowed. That's like middle of the pack. But the Ravens are a two-back team now. Dobbins and Edwards. 
And even if you split the 25 points up 15 to 10, you're happy. Like, Dobbins is see, a that's, high upside play because that's his floor, dude. 15 is his floor at this point. I could see him busting completely. Like, I don't know, if, know. I don't know how 15 is his floor if it's also his ceiling. I don't see it. I don't see him busting. He hasn't, he's had in half PPR, he's reached 13 every game in the last four weeks. All right. I like, mean, it, it's, it could be worse. I'm not excited to play him, but I'm, if I have him, I'm playing him. Okay. Uh, let's just go, let's just go that way. Uh, let's go to the giant side. <sighs> no. Yeah. No, I, I can't <laughs> see not myself. Go to the giant. I can't see myself starting a giant against the, the, the Ravens. Even Wayne Gallman, what a fall from yeah. grace over these past two weeks. Devontae Freeman uh, might even come back, but he's already yeah. been losing work to people named Deion Lewis and Alfred Morris. Yeah, that's the biggest. Like it's, like it's 2012. That's yeah, the I don't know concern. what. I don't know what the, went through the Giants' mind over the last couple of weeks where they decided, oh, Wayne Gallman's been so good, let's keep him off the field more often. Beats me, but there's no way you could trust him. There's no way you could trust anyone in this offense against Baltimore, period. If you're starting a New York Giant, even if it's Evan Ingram, the Pro yeah, Pro Bowl or what an absolute joke. That shit cracked me up, yo. Well, who else is going to make the Pro Bowl out of tight end in the NFC? Robert Tunyon. Robert Tunyon. Okay, Robert Tunyon is a good answer. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> I don't see how you can Logan start Logan Thomas anyone. prefers it more, too. Well, Unless he uh, got in, I don't know. I, yeah, that's true. Logan Thomas definitely deserves it more. Um, anyways, Evan Ingram. I, there's no way I'm trusting him here, either. Like Outside the top 20 tight ends, uh, four of the last five weeks... Against Baltimore, no, thank you, man. Go look somewhere else. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? No, stay away from. Just the want to make one too. quick note before we move on. The Giants have allowed Richard Rodgers to put up eighty-five yards and sixty yards twice this season. Besides that, no other tight end has passed fifty yards. So just as note that the Giants have been good against tight ends, um, but I still think with the efficiency of L. Jacks and the likelihood that Andrews finds the end zone, that that's not a real concern anyway. All right. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Nope. Dude. All right. Let's go on to the next game. It is the Falcons versus the Chiefs. Matt Ryan was surprisingly good last week. Great. Um, yeah, he was very good. Um, that that caused his wide receivers to be very good, his tight end to be decent. Um, against the Chiefs, <laughs> though, different story. So the question is, how do we evaluate the Falcons? Because I feel like in championship week, the Falcons is the type of team that I'm trying to stay away from. Outside of Calvin Ridley, because Calvin Ridley has basically been guaranteed, I don't know what I'm getting out of everyone. I don't know if Julio Jones is going to play. I don't know if Russell Gage is going to get that opportunity. I don't know what the fuck is going on in the backfield. I don't know what the hell's going on with Hayden Hurts. So this is a this is a game for me that if I must play Falcons, okay, but I'm going to try to avoid Falcons otherwise. Because and I'm not even saying that because I think they're going to do bad. I just the variance of Falcons players all season, particularly when Julio Jones is out, has been up and down, nuts. So the, how how are you feeling about this? It, we can't even say if Julio Jones is going to play. I'm assuming he's not going to play. But if he if he doesn't play, how are you feeling about this game? I, I don't hate Russell Gage. Oh, Russell Gage. Yeah, go ahead. He played 59 out of 65 snaps last week. He's wide receiver 30 over the last four weeks in true target value. And he's been finding the end zone. And the Chiefs are a good secondary, but they're probably going to put up a lot of points as well, which is going to have to cause them to throw a lot. Um, Russell Gage probably work underneath a little bit, which will work to Matt Ryan's favor. I, I think Russell Gage has wide receiver three flex appeal. 
Yeah, he's certainly been in that area of late, so I don't hate that either. Definitely starting Ridley. I want to say, though, Matt Ryan, there's no way I'm trusting him here against KC, uh, who's good against quarterbacks. Prior to last week against Tampa Bay, first off, he had a ginormous first half against Tampa Bay. Um, I think he had three touchdowns in the first half and over 250 passing yards. He dropped back to back, dropped back to pass like 30 times just in the first half. And then a bad second half. Uh, he's been QB 26, 17, 26, 28 the four weeks prior to Tampa Bay, who again has just been getting increasingly worse against the pass as the season has gone on, which is not good for them heading into the playoffs. But there's no way I'm trusting uh, Matt Ryan this week in a in a championship week matchup. And please, I beg of you, just stay away from all Falcons running backs. In a vacuum, I guess Ito Smith is the best play if you really need to trust a running back from this team, since Raheem Morris did just come out and say he's now their lead runner on the team, but it's probably going to be like a 40%, 40%, 20% split of like Smith, Gurley, and uh, and Brian Hill against the Kansas City Chiefs, who are, are beatable on the ground, but the Falcons running game has been terrible all season. Just no thank you for all those running backs. What if Julio Jones plays? If Julio plays, you play Julio. I mean, and then you don't play Gage. Basically, yeah. So, uh, there's, I'm definitely very much concerned about Gage if Julio returns. They're like a one for one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Except like a, Julio is a lot of a better play. Right. 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 But yeah. they're definitely a one for one. Um, yeah. Hayden Hurst, you taking a chance with him in this game? No chance. Uh, he found the end zone again last week because uh, that's what he does. He randomly finds the end zone, which is why people have had this mirage in their mind that Hayden Hurst is like a startable weekly asset, which is just hilarious. The dude has 496 yards and four touchdowns on the season. Really bad. And he caught a touchdown last week. He still only ended with 10 half PPR fantasy points. Um, that is his max since week six. Look elsewhere. All right. Um Let's go over to the other side, the Cha'ifs, the Cha'ifs. Um, look, usually here's where I'd say, hey, what you guys didn't know is while the, these other fantasy analysts have been telling you to play people against the Falcons, we've been telling you for the last couple of weeks that the Falcons aren't the greatest play in the world, in, in fact, and that they're actually pretty good, and that A, B, C, D, E, F, G about this. The problem is that they're playing the Chiefs, so take that. Put it in a nice little ball, scrunch it up, throw it out the window. Um, Pat Mahomes, great play. Travis Kelsey, great play. Tyreek Hill, great play. Everyone else on the receiving option side, uh, don't play them. I mean, that's this is the this is the th that's the trend. Uh, if you guys want to add something to that, I I don't think that I'm being any like crazy when I say any of that. And I no, think the, right. I, I think the running backs is going to be the, is a do. Yeah, he's a do do. He's an yeah. absolute do do. Like he is the doo doo. He's a definition of the doo. How yep. you can be that bad seeing that many targets from Patrick Mahomes is beyond me. I think I could do a better job. I'm not joking. I mean, Jason is shady, shady athletic guys. Yeah, Jason, suit me Jason, up. Jason makes up a makes up a lot of ground when he plays safety in our in our football leagues and breaks suit up. Suit me up. I'm ready. Um, <laughs> Jason could uh, guard down the could guard the best of them except for me. <laughs> I am the I am the Jair Alexander of touch football leagues. That is that is true. Jason always uh, always gets the guy, even if he's like the tallest guy on the team. Um, the the Pachops are 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 a little bit vertically challenged in general, except Johnny. <laughs> Johnny's like five eleven. He's the tallest of us, so we're not the tallest of the bros. But um, 
Jason gets up with the big guys and does not let them catch balls over his head. I love it. Jason's a fucking little bulldog. Um, speaking of bulldogs, uh, CEH lo- said he was going to try to go at one point this week. It was like a crazy report. Like, no, no, dude, chill. Um, he has a he has a high ankle sprain. So the dreaded high ankle sprain uh, rears its ugly head. That means it's going to be the Lev Bell show. Now, if Lev Bell is a starting running back here, here, here's the pros and cons. Pro, he's in a Chiefs offense. Pro, he's pretty fresh. Pro, he's Le'Veon Bell and he has a history of succeeding. Um, pro, Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback. I already said he's in the Chiefs offense. Con, on the other side. Falcons defense, pretty good against the run. Con, we don't know if he's going to be the only running back in the backfield to get it. And Con, we don't know if Lev Bell has lost it or he's just a victim of playing part-time and playing for the Jets. So the question is, how are you dealing with Le'Veon Bell? And we, we talked about this also on the Patreon episode, patreon.com slash fantasy if you want to um, be part. Again, just because it's week 16 doesn't mean you can't go on and join. We're going to have an extra episode all year. So if you want to check out that episode in the past, go check that out. But with that being said, Chiefs, um, Le'Veon Bell, Maybe Daryl Williams. How you feeling? Uh, pro for Bell as well. The Atlanta Falcons, though they've been very good on the ground, have given up 82 receptions and over 550 receiving yards to opposing running backs. True, big pro. Le'Veon Bell, as we know, has had a lot of success catching passes in the past. The concern here would be if Daryl Williams mixes in and steals some of the pass-catching work. Uh, Bell has maxed out at three receptions um, in a game this year, which is a little concerning, but... I mean, CEH went down last week, but he started the game. He played a decent amount of it, and Bell still had 15 rushes, uh, scored a touchdown, had had a reception. I think Bell basically slots into where CEH was slotting in, which is mid to low end RB2 territory with upside, depending if he could find the end zone. Um, I don't think there's a concern that like he's going to not play enough snaps. He's going to play 65, 70% of the snaps, at least in my opinion. I think uh, Michael, so- though, like you're you're saying that based off of what we saw last week, but we can remember that just week thirteen, Ch was a emergency active, so it was just Le'Veon Bell and Daryl Williams, and Le'Veon Bell played fifty two percent of the snaps, eleven carries, three targets. Daryl Williams saw six carries, two targets on forty eight percent of the snaps. So I do think that if you're starting Bell you're banking a little bit more on what we saw in the second half last week than what we saw in week 13. And that can be a little dangerous. Yeah. I mean, but you're, you're still not going to play him as an RB two with the way these, the running back field is at the moment. I'm a little weary. I have him as a back end RB two. Uh, you're probably going to start him. I mean, it's, you want to start the chiefs running back. That's just how this works. I've been saying it all year. I just, I don't know. I'm a little concerned about his playing time. Um, is that the end of this conversation for this game? Yeah, I mean, you start Hill, Kelsey, Mahomes, period. That's all you really need to say about those three. Right, and then you take a chance on Bell, whether or not you need... If you need a desperation running back play, you can do a lot worse than Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. All right, so let's go on to the next game. The next game is... The... Panthers at the Washington football team. This is the last team on last one on the docket right now. Here's the problem with Washington. We don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Even though Dwayne Haskins was all about TDs last week. He was all about TDs. 
titties, titties. He was all about titties last week. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, he, he got caught in a. Oh, he got caught in a strip club. What a fucking idiot! In the middle of, uh, in the middle of the pandemic, when he finally got his starting job back, he's at a sh- goddamn strip club. Um, he I was taking starter ups at practice. It's fucking dumb. It, my personal. Um, understanding of the situation is that it's up to the team whether or not to discipline him. So it's going to be interesting to to monitor because Michael said he's taking starter reps at practice. It's going to be interesting to monitor because Ron Rivera was kind of brought in as this, you know, riverboat Ron, uh, army type, let's get everything, let's get our acts together type of dude. And now he has a decision. We're playing for the division. And on the other hand, we got a quarterback that we can suspend him for four games if that is our choice. Tough decision coming up, something to monitor because that decision could be um, against Dwayne Haskins. It's more likely not to be against Dwayne Haskins because of the fact that three other quarterbacks on the roster are injured at the moment. Um, but with that being said, Michael, what do you even do with Washington's with Washington's weapons in in a a positive matchup against the Panthers man what are the like who would have guessed week 16 championship weekend the words coming out of my mouth would be JD McKissick is basically a must start (laughs) and that's the only must start on this team like who would have possibly seen that coming that's why fantasy football is so great he played 88% of snaps last week guys 13 carries uh more than double Peyton Barber's carries 10 targets nine receptions a touchdown over 100 all-purpose uh, yards out of the running back. Holy moly, J.D. McKissick. We, everyone who thought, including myself, Alex Smith is gone. Let's not trust J.D. McKissick was very much wrong. Uh, against Carolina, who is very beatable on the ground. J.D. McKissick is a locked and loaded RB2 at this point. Uh, if Gibson misses, of course. He definitely becomes less appealing if Antonio Gibson returns. But you got to start him. And then Terry McLaurin, man. It's like, at this point... How do you even rank Terry McLaurin? Like, he he has not finished higher than wide receiver 26 over the past five weeks. Those blow-up games that he was having in the beginning of the year just haven't been there. He's still a very good wide receiver, but, I mean, three touchdowns on the year. Hasn't scored a touchdown since week nine. Carolina secondary just shut down Aaron Rodgers. Like, their secondary is young players, but overall, they've been much better through the air than they have been on the ground. McLaurin, at least he caught seven passes last week again, uh, up from two ca- uh, receptions the weeks prior, the couple weeks prior. But one other man. note over the last four weeks, Terry McLaurin has seen nine targets, six, six, and 12. All of that. And he's only the wide receiver 65 in true target value. I think that Holy you moly, are, I think that you are, that. you are live, living out, I think you're leaving out a giant factor, and that is. The three games previous were with Alex Smith. And last week, he was with Dwayne Haskins. And yes, Dwayne Haskins sucks. But at the same time, yes, he peppers the shit out of Terry McLaurin with targets. So he's I mean, going he's going to be targeted if Haskins starts. I mean, McLaurin went 7 for 77 on 12 targets, which is nice. But Dwayne Haskins also threw the ball 55 times. Are we really expecting 55 passes out of Dwayne Haskins again? Hard to expect. Prior to that, his average was around like 36, 37 passes per game. That's 18 above the norm. McLaurin's so no. definitely more of an upside wide receiver three if you're playing him. 
Well, yeah, I, I agree. Upside wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two. Um, people, I mean, he's still being ranked as a wide receiver one, and that's just like, yes, he has the potential to get there, but that's just blasphemous, man. Um, Terry McLaurin or Tyler Lockett? McLaurin, come on, what? McLaurin. Terry McLaurin or Rashard Higgins? Higgins. Ooh, snexy. Terry McLaurin or Antonio Brown? Brown. McLaurin. Terry yeah, McLaurin. See, so uh, some tough decisions to be made. Some tough decisions to be made. I mean, but in the beginning of the year, it was McLaurin or Woods, McLaurin or AJ Brown, right? Like, things like that, right? But that was in the beginning of the year that it was a different quarterback, and this was the guy that was the quarterback. So you in four games with Haskins, he's gotten targeted uh, tw- double digit times three times. So like, there's something to be said there. Um, let's go over to the Panther side. Real quick, real quick. Lance Thomas. You disrespectful. Oh, great. Right. You're right, you're right, you're right. Lance Logan Thomas, Thomas Logan. Jason. Logan. You really Logan. just called yeah, Thomas. Yeah, Jason did it. Yeah. <laughs> I, hate, I hate you guys. The Logan NBA Thomas. started yesterday. What can I do? Logan Thomas locked and loaded. Tight end one, folks. You may not like it, but accept it, or whatever that gif says. Just just do it. Put him in your lineup. Bada bing, bada boom. The dude has been ridiculously involved over the last three weeks nine targets seven targets 16 targets nine catches six catches 13 catches a touchdown during that span at least 98 yards in two of the three games and these are were in tough matchups for tight ends now he gets carolina locked and loaded tight end one logan thomas basically plays 100 percent of the snaps each week too so all right um let's go over to the panther side then dj moore came back and dominated um Robbie Anderson sucked, as uh, you guys definitely took a victory lap about that um, on Twitter. So the question is, how are you looking at him and th- how are you looking at this wide receiver bunch up this week against a Washington defense that has been really good against the pass catcher, except the number one wide receiver? The problem is, who's the number one wide receiver on the Panthers? Do we even know that? Yeah. Um, well, we know that it's not Dedu Anderson. That's for sure. Um, Robbie's been held under 50 yards four of the last seven games. Hasn't found the end zone um, one time in the last 13 games. Like Washington just held Seattle with Metcalf and Lockett and Russell Wilson to 121 passing yards. So Robbie Anderson is definitely not in my lineup. I have him at wide receiver 45, 17 spots behind consensus. Might move him even lower. And then I'm even a little bit lower on in consensus than Moore and Samuel. Uh, DJ Moore has become the number one offense uh, option in that offense on the outside, and he's been performing. And I think that his talent is good enough to continue to put him in the wide receiver three conversation where I have him ranked. And the same thing with Curtis Samuel. He's been the number one option on the inside and uh, on the ground. And I don't think we can forget how good he's been just because of one down week last week. He still saw nine targets against Green Bay and had two rushes. So 11 touches is not something to scoff at. There it is again, the word scoff. Um, so I think that Moore is a, and Samuel are both still wide receiver three plays, but it's a tough um, – it's definitely a tough matchup. Bro, in games where Curtis Samuel has seen at least nine targets, he's ended as uh, wide receiver seven overall, wide receiver 10 overall, wide receiver 23 overall, and then the down game, of course, last week when we were super high on him. He ends as wide receiver 57 despite seeing the nine targets. But I'm all about Curtis Samuel. As you guys know, we've been on his – on the Samuel train of late because the dude just has been producing last week and against Tampa Bay in week 10, two games where he did not produce. Other than that, he's been a top 24 option 
basically every single week. Uh, like Jason said, there's significant downside when it comes to playing against Washington, but I don't expect the offense to just completely sputter. Um, so I do think Curtis Samuel still a strong play as a wide receiver two, three and DJ Moore, of course, the dude is, you know, like I love DJ Moore going into this year. I expected a better season. Uh, I thought he was going to be like the alpha, see a bunch of targets that really hasn't panned out, but he's so damn good. Like averaging 18.8 yards per reception over a thousand yards on only 56 receptions. The dude is a big play waiting to happen every time he steps on the field. So I also think he's a strong wide receiver too. And I, and uh, Robbie Anderson could uh wide receiver three flex at best. And Ian Thomas, no, 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 Ian Thomas. No, thank you. As always. I don't even know why we mentioned him. Yeah, we should. The running it. back, Michael, talk. tell me okay. about Mike Davis. All right, cause... Jason. All right, fine. Just take my job. I, Go I ahead. I had to flex a little bit. Go ahead. Go. Week 16, Michael got the call from Fantasy Pros. It's not a call. It's an email. Um, To write in the Sleeper Bust article in this very important week. So I want to hear what Michael has to say about Mike Davis, Tim. Go ahead, Mike. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Uh, Yeah, Um, I got a... They asked me to be a part of the sleepers bust for this week or fades or whatever. And boy, was I like, damn, how could you put Mike Davis inside the top 40 flex? But that's where he's being ranked right now. And it doesn't make any sense to me. He his uh, his play has decreased. His overall involvement in the offense has decreased um, since that huge stretch weeks two to six where he saw 22 touches a game. He's down to 16 touches per game since week 10. Uh, has been outside the top 38 receivers three of four weeks, excuse me, three of five weeks. Um, if if he didn't have that huge game against Denver, a.k.a. grand for two touchdowns, he would not be ranked inside the top 20 running backs because that's just not who he has been of late. Um, even in Green Bay, in a tremendous matchup on paper, 14 for 59 is nice, but only two receptions. His receptions have gone down from seven per game to four per game. He and now he gets to Washington front seven, who has shut down opposing running backs. He is a low end RB two flex play at best this week, and uh, I'm certainly lower than consensus on Mike Davis because I'm just really not feeling the matchup here at all with the way. And Rodney Smith had a career high in snaps last week. Mike Davis has played less than seventy percent of snaps three of the last five weeks. That never happened uh, weeks two through six when he was a monster. So. All signs pointing down for Mike Davis. All right. Um, is that it for this ep- episode? Yeah. Episode. Call it. Episode. Um, I don't know why you just say words weird at random times. Because <laughs> it's fun. Uh, and it pisses you off. Episode. Which, which is basically my life goal is piss off Jason. All right. So, um, guys, thanks. Thank you. A thank you uh, for listening. We have the second half of the last nine games of the fantasy season. Oh, my God, for real. Uh, coming, coming up in the next episode. Um, again, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate um, from our family to yours. Don't forget, BrotoFantasy.com at uh, BrotoFantasy on Twitter for uh, the live stream. We're going to skip the pleasantries right now because uh, it is a little bit of a time crunch. And we are and we basically plugged the entire episode. So, at Mike Petrop, at I'm sorry, uh, tell me your personal ads real quick. At Broto FF Mike Tim, come on now. Yeah, you're right. At Broto FF Jason. At Broto FF Tim, see what we did there. Even though you guys signed on as your old like Twitter names no, during the, the live stream for some how reason. How the live streams work? I don't know why. It's whack. Yeah, it's super whack. Anyway, uh, later. Later. Later.